You are listening to Wine Talk. I'm Laura Manick, Master Sommelier, and your host for this episode about food and wine pairing. And specifically, holidays are just around the corner, so we're going to talk about pairing wine for Thanksgiving dinner, pairing wine for Christmas, pairing wine for Hanukkah, and other celebrations like New Year's Eve. But first, you need to learn a little bit about the basics of food and wine pairing. Okay, I'm here to tell you not to be intimidated by wine. Wine is fun. It's festive. It's a holiday party. Don't have to stress out about the perfect wine. But it could be fun to have a little bit of experimenting at your dinner table. These festive holidays are a great way to introduce your guests to something maybe they don't do every day at home. So let's start with the basics. Okay, so we have a couple of rules, some general concepts, if you will, about food and wine pairing. So let's talk through them. The first tips on food and wine pairing is something that we call the body of the wine and the body of the dish. I don't know if we call it that, but we'll just talk about that. So essentially, these things should match. Basically, if you have a light, you know, simple food, then you would want a light, easy drinking wine. So in Wine 101 lesson, I talked about the body of a wine and where that comes from. So I think we all know about that. If not, you can go back and listen to podcast number one. In the meantime, the body of the wine should match the body of the dish. So let's say you're having chicken. Chicken can be a relatively light food, especially if you're just preparing that chicken with lemon and maybe you're just grilling it and or even steaming it, something so light. Well, with that chicken, you're going to want a light-bodied wine, perhaps something like a Muscadet from France or maybe even a Pinot Grigio from Italy. All right, well, what if we wanted to make that chicken a little bit more medium in flavor? Perhaps we made it Marsala style. So we have a little bit of mushrooms, we have some Marsala wine, and we reduce this into a relatively medium-bodied uh, sauce, and we put it on that chicken. Well, this is going to change things. We're going to have that glass of white wine or a light red wine with a little bit more body. So perhaps with this chicken Marsala, we want a glass of Chablis, and that's Chardonnay from the northernmost region in Burgundy. Or maybe with that chicken piccata, we would want a uh, wine from Italy, perhaps from Tuscany, something with a little bit more body like Sangiovese from the Chianti region. Well, what happens if we put that chicken with a mole sauce, you know, traditional Mexican style cuisine, and it has a lot of flavor. So we are going to need to have a decent amount of flavor in our wine. Maybe we're going to want to choose a wine from the New World, perhaps um, Merlot from Washington State. Or maybe we're going to need a little bit of sweetness to cut through some of the spice, and but we still need a rich style of wine. So perhaps an Alsace Grand Cru Riesling from northern France. The lighter the dish, the lighter the wine. So let's move on from that. We also learned in Wine 101 about acidity in wine. So acidity makes your mouth salivate or pucker. So there's a lot of foods that are also equal and high in acidity. Let's say salad dressing or mustards or anything where you use vinegar. These are high acid foods as well tomatoes. So things that are really, really tart. Acidity in wine needs to match acidity in food. It's less important when it's not there. It's very important when it is there. So what I mean by that is a green salad with a really acidic-based vinaigrette, it's going to be hard to pair with a wine that does not have a high amount of acidity. 
So let's say a delicious glass of California Viognier. It's tropical, it's rich, it's creamy. But when paired with a very acidic dish, it's going to feel really flat and sort of lose any type of acidity or balance that it had. It's going to taste almost dull. So what you do need for that salad with a vinaigrette is something that also has an elevated level of acidity. So maybe a Sauvignon Blanc from Sancerre in France, or perhaps a Gruner Veltliner from Austria. Basically, acidity in wine and acidity in food usually can't contrast. They have to be comparative. Which brings us to another point. Are there things that you can compare versus contrast? Absolutely. If you want to bring out something, if let's say you made an herb-based chicken and the herbs were the most important thing to you, you wanted to really highlight those, you might choose a wine that had a little bit of those same herbs to highlight that. Or if you wanted the herbs to sort of go away, you might choose a wine that had no herbaceous nature just to focus on something else. So compare and contrast is is less a rule and more about personal preference. So let's say it's a blue cheese. Some people love it. Some people hate it, right? Stinky blue cheese for me, there's nothing better. But other people despise it. If I wanted to compare and bring out some of the really earthy, intense, kind of funky flavors in that blue cheese, I might pair it with a vintage champagne, something that has a lot of earthy, minerality, chalky kind of funkiness to it. As wine ages, it definitely becomes more tertiary and secondary flavors and more earthy, if you will. So that's a great pairing for me because I love the smell of the blue cheese and the intensity of that pairing. But let's say you don't like blue cheese, maybe a more appropriate pairing for you would be a vintage port, something that's almost fig-like or jammy and juicy that sort of covers up the flavor of the blue cheese. It's kind of like quince paste. Anyway, that is definitely a personal preference and I encourage you to experiment and see what works best for you within the compare and contrast. Let's get back to some of the more important tips about food and wine pairing. So I like to say quality of ingredients and quality of wine is a pretty important thing. So consider the quality of the ingredient and the quality of the wine. Let's say you're at a backyard barbecue having simple hot dogs, burgers, really, you know, festive, fun environment. Do you really want to break out that 1978 Rioja Gran Reserva that you've been aging in your cellar? Probably not. It's not that it would be a bad pairing with hamburgers and hot dogs, but it's almost unnecessary. Let's do the opposite. Okay, it's New Year's Eve. It's a special occasion. You have your best friends with you looking forward to a prosperous new year and you have caviar beluga caviar really intense really the luxury item do you want to serve prosecco a very simple wine with that caviar no matter how good the prosecco is it's just not going to be as good as the caviar so i would say a more appropriate pairing for the burger and hot dogs is probably a nice easy drinking Cote de Rhone, something that has a little bit of pepper and bacon and is kind of smoky, but really simple. Maybe a $30 bottle of wine that you can drink many of. And the same with the caviar. Maybe a bottle of champagne. You know, something like a Blanc de Blanc champagne that would be perfect for caviar. Doesn't have to break the bank, but it should be equal in quality so that you're not sort of blaming the Prosecco for being disappointed after. Or you can just drink a shot of vodka. That's a nice pairing too. (laughs) Anyway, 
Um, another basic concept of food and wine pairing is the idea of local food with local wine. So we say what grows together goes together. So for example, in Tuscany, we have Bisteca Florentine. So you have this big, beautiful, marbled, you know, beef from this type of cow called Chianina. And so these Chianina calf, they make really marbled, intense, rich steaks. And you usually have them with herbed potatoes and maybe some Tuscan tomatoes and olive oil. So this regional meal would be perfect with a bottle of Brunello di Montalcino, which also grows in the area right around Tuscany. So that big, rich steak and that local wine go well together. But like, let's take a trip to the Atlantic side of Spain and we'll go to an area called Galicia. So Galicia, being so close to the ocean, it's known for its amazing shellfish. So gambas, some big, beautiful prawns and other types of crustaceans. So the area's local wine, a, a wine called Albariño from the area called Rishas Baixas, is perfect for shellfish, right? They don't have any lamb or calf or anything in that area. They're known for their shellfish. So the white wines of the area will also go well. So if you're near a body of water, maybe a good idea to pair a local wine with the shellfish. If you're inland, maybe better idea to pair the local wine with things that travel by hoof. <laughs> anyway, local food, local wine. What grows together goes together for sure. Another basic concept of food and wine pairing is the idea of fat and tannins. So you've probably heard of this word tannin. Tannins come from red wine for the most part. It comes from the skins and the stems of the wine. And basically, tannin is a drying sensation. It makes your mouth feel like you have gauze pad in your mouth. No moisture, opposite from acidity, which makes your mouth salivate. So we have this tannin, this drying sensation in our mouth. How do we get rid of that drying sensation? The answer is fat. So fat, yes, unfortunately, comes from many things. Fat can, in food, come from ribeye steaks as you know a marbled steak has those little bands of fat and that's why they often think big tannic red wines with ribeye steaks but it's not just steak that has fat you can think about butter and anything that's cooked with butter or lots of butter it's going to be rich and have a lot of fat so that's going to cut right through the tannin and what I mean by that is it almost feels like an eraser so you have this drying sensation in your mouth and then you have fat and the fat will basically delete that drying sensation from your mouth. So your mouth is like primed and ready to go for more fat. And then you need more tannin. So it's really kind of a cool push and pull. Anyway, fat can come from avocado. So if you have a bottle of red wine that's very tannic in your home and maybe only a piece of grilled chicken, how about just taking some avocado and putting it on that grilled chicken? At the very least, that fat will cut through the tannin and it'll be an enjoyable wine and food experience. The other thing, alternatively, let's say you're in your house and you have a box of pasta, just regular, you know, rigatoni or penne, and you want to make this pasta a red wine friendly dish. All you need is olive oil, cheese, butter, anything rich in fat that will cut through the tannin. So that's a really important thing. It's not just red meat and tannin that go well together. What you want to avoid with tannin what really is kind of a bad pairing is fish oil. It's not that fish does not go well with red wine. It's that fish that has a lot of oily flavor, maybe it's from the skin of the fish, it will taste metallic when paired with a very tannic wine. 
it could also possibly bring out some of the fish oils in the fish, maybe making that feel like a bad spoiled piece of fish. Not that the fish actually spoils, but maybe that fish tastes like really shellfishy, really fishy. That for most people is not a desired flavor. So in fish, what we have is fish oil and we want to avoid tannin. That does not mean we have to avoid red wine completely. There are certain grapes like Pinot Noir and other grapes that are so exciting like Plusard from the Jura that would go perfect with fish, even if it is a little oily. Another really basic point of food and wine pairing is salt and acidity. Who doesn't love a really delicious salty bowl of french fries? One of the best pairings for salt is something that has high in acid. So champagne, it's a perfect pairing. Champagne and any kind of salty food, which is often why we see at holiday parties, canapes, things that are fried and salty being served with champagne. But it doesn't have to be just champagne. Anything that is cool climate or from a cold climate of the world with high acid will pair perfectly with fried food. So those are my basic points. Let's talk about the holidays. We have Thanksgiving coming up, and it's a festive meal. There are anywhere from six, if it's a small family, to maybe 35 members surrounding the table. And there's many different ingredients and many different flavors to think about in a Thanksgiving meal. Maybe the tart cranberry sauce. Maybe the rich, earthy fennel stuffing. Perhaps the slightly sweet marshmallow sweet potatoes. Or maybe that, you know, turkey that is a really light, flavor on its own but has this pan dripping gravy and gets a little bit more rich and intense. So you see we're talking about all these different flavors but we also have a, a lot of different people to consider. So we're sitting around this table and maybe Uncle Frank likes really rich intense full-bodied Zinfandel from California but maybe Cousin Alina likes really light you know sort of refreshing tart glasses or bottles of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So what you really want to do in these situations is try to find wines that are crowd pleasers. So what does that even mean? Basically, you want to choose wines that are not on extremes. So the medium bodied wines, right, from moderate climates that have medium acidity, medium alcohol, they're probably more appropriate because they'll please more of the people more of the time. Maybe a wine that's a blend so there's this beautiful wine region in the southeast part of France called Chateauneuf de Pop, and they blend up to 13 different grape varietals. What one grape lacks, the other grape makes up for. So they're rich, but they're not too rich. They're spicy, but not too spicy. You get the point. That's perfect for a large group. And the other thing I really want to point out and stress is, again, it's Thanksgiving. It's a time to be grateful, thankful, and share, you don't have to have the most expensive bottles of wine when you're trying to feed or drink 30 people. You know, a good value wine is more exciting, something that has a story, perhaps that you can share with your family over that long dinner. Lastly, holidays. The same thing goes there. Christmas, Hanukkah, it's all about the ingredients on the table, which are usually many different flavors. So you really just want to choose wines that will go best with all of them. I thought of this cool idea the other day that I want to share with y'all. Perhaps there is a wine that's perfect for, you know, the filet mignon or the lasagna part of the meal of Christmas Day. Maybe you take a silver marker and you write on the bottle of wine, you know, for filet mignon. 
or perhaps it's Thanksgiving and there's this perfect pairing with the turkey and you just you don't want to force feed people and make them try your food and wine pairings but it might be just a cool idea of like power of suggestion anyway I hope you enjoyed this Thanksgiving holiday pairing food and wine pairing basic 101 